Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. Over the next several weeks, we're going to continue our series on mirrors, on mirrors, and we're going to see who God is and what that means to us. Because what we believe about God informs us on who we are to become. So in this series, we're going to discover who you are, our identity. Everybody's trying to see, find out what their identity is. Well, in this, we're going to find out who we are because out of your identity flows our function or what we should do. And it's been very clear from the beginning of time what God's plan is for mankind. And from the very first chapter of the Bible, we find out who God is. We worshiped him as Elohim, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And what he did, he created us in his image. We're we're crowned with glory and honor in his image. Everybody say, I'm in his image. And it's that image, when we see the image of God, when we see who God is, and we realize that that same image is engraven in our heart, the purpose of this series is then we become mirrors and reflection of that. We're image barriers. Somebody say, I'm an image barrier in the earth. I'm someone that bears the image of God. Have you ever saw someone and, and you were just attracted to that? Uh, uh, to that uh, attribute or that personality or who they were, most likely it's because they're bearing out that image that God has put in them. So last week we learned about holiness. We know that out of God's holiness, out of his utter purity, everything else flows. Today we're going to look at God most loving. If you have your iPhones, you can go to version. you can go to events and hit church on the rock and you will have the insert there or you were given an insert on the way in. Uh, we're going to be in the next few moments, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, 16 through 19. But I want to ask you a question today. How many of you, how many of you know that God loves you? How many of you know that? Okay, my next question is, how many of you believe that God loves you? Because there's a big difference. Believing is when you say, I've got faith in that love. I know he loves me, but it's not enough to just know God. We got to know God loves us, and we got to believe that God loves us. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. It says, and we have known, everybody say known, and we have known, and what? And believe. We, we can't just know. We have known and believe the love that God ha- has for us. You know, many men are always asking their wives, Honey, do you love me? Honey, do you love me? Do you love me? How many have a husband like, a needy husband like that? Carmen, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. <laughs> Honey, do you love me? Honey, do you love me? Did you know that Adam asked Eve that one day in the Garden of Eden? Look it up in the Bible. No, don't do that. Adam asked Eve that one time, and here was Eve's response. Who else? Who else? Honey, do you love me? Who else, Eve? So, uh, but you can tell. You can tell over, t- over your time. You can tell uh, when your wife loves you, but you have to mix that love with faith to where you know that she loves you. You know, a lot of times the truth is the wife loves us with all of our heart, but the husband doesn't believe that love. And so that, that husband walks around in rejection and insecurity and lack of confidence and self-esteem and uncertain of his, of his wife's love for him. 
We also see that with parents. How many of you parents say you love your children with all your heart? But there's a lot of children that, that question and they walk around with that uncertainty and, and do my parents love, love me? But the parents love them passionately and they're doing everything they can to show them that love every day. But that child hasn't mixed that. I know they love me to where they believe that their parents love him. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's not the truth that sets you free. It's believing in the truth. Are you with me today? It's knowing, you can know truth all day, but until you believe in the truth, then it has an effect. You know, John chapter 8 verse 31 says this, Jesus said to all the people who, everybody says who believed in him. He said to all the people, say that again, who what? Believed in him. He said, you're my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth. See, his disciples believed in him and they knew the truth. So they knew and they believed the truth. And he said, and that will set you free. Look at Hebrews chapter four. This is a powerful scripture, verse one. It says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering into rest. How many knows that God has lots of, of areas in our life that he wants us to enter into a rest? Uh, well, here it says, man, therefore, since a promise remains, let us fear that we come short of that. How many ever feel like you're coming short of a promise or a place that God wants you to walk in? For indeed, the gospel's preached. We have the word. We have the truth. It's right in our hands. Everybody with me? Say amen. It's right there. It's preached to us. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being what? Not being mixed with faith. Not being mixed with faith with those that heard it. So we know, the Bible says we know and we believe the love that God has for us. Look at, let's look at verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. I perked up when I saw this. How's love perfected? I want to see this. What comes next in scripture? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Look at this. Because, say that with me. Because as he is, say that loud. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So, Brothers and sisters, God's no more judging us. God's no more assessing us on the basis of who we are. But God is judging us, and God is assessing us. Today, believer, he's assessing us based on the perfect man that's seated at the right hand of the Father. Are you with me? So the question, the wrong question is, am I accepted of God? I wonder if I'm pleasing to God. I wonder if I frustrate God. That's the wrong question. The right question is this. Is Christ accepted of God? Is Christ disappointing to God? Is Jesus pleasing to God? Can Jesus come under any more? Can Jesus ever come under condemnation again? Can he? So Christian believers say with boldness, as he is, so am I in this earth. As he is, so am I. God does not judge you and assess you of who you are. He judges and assesses you on the guy sitting at the right hand of the Father, Jesus. And in him I live and move and I have my being. I'm telling you that's love. As he is, so am I. He is holy. Brian's holy. He is righteous. I am righteous. He is perfect. I am perfect. How many feel like you're far from perfect? But in Christ, somebody say, as he is. 
Come on, brother, that's love. As he is, so am I in this love. Next verse. There is no fear in love. God's perfect love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Look at this. Because fear has torment. Brothers and sisters, how many know that, the, that fear is a spirit? There is a spirit of fear. Because God says uh, that, that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. So sometimes you can be attacked with a spirit of fear. And fear causes torment. Fear causes torment. Fear makes you fearful of punishment. Fear makes you fearful of rejection or fearful of falling short or fearful that you're disappointment or you're ashamed. Fear causes anxiety. Fear causes depression. Fear causes us to be in torment. And brothers and sisters, I've been in torment before from fear, but God can set the person free from fear. And the key to that, the key to that is a revelation of the love of God. Because when we know God's love, we're made perfect in that, and fear has to disappear. If you're living a life of fear, if you're fearing your future, or having enough, or losing someone, or you think you're going to get a disease, or, 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 or death, or something, or you feel like something really bad's going to happen to you. If you feel that. You know, I chewed tobacco for, since I was 13 for years and years and years. And man, I even had a spirit of fear saying, man, I use my voice to preach. And my voice, I remember a few years back, a spirit of fear came to me and said, you're going to have throat cancer. And you're not going to be able to preach anymore. And, and I started just thinking about that all the time. Where I was just getting in bondage to that. And it caused torment. How many of you ever have made mistakes or done something wrong. And this fear comes all over you. Like you're going to be found out. And, and your life's going to go down the tubes. And, and how many get this fear? Fear. People that fear are not made perfect in love. Perfect love cast out fear. Let me tell you something. Listen to this. Good things happen to people who know and believe that God loves them. Good things happen. One thing is you have self-esteem and confidence because you're on an unshakable ground. Because you know you're not dependent on who you are, what you've done, and what you've not done. It's not dependent on your accomplishments, your degrees, your financial status, or your performance. It's always dependent on the unshakableness of God's love for me. Look at 1 John four nineteen. We love him. I love this. Because he first loved me. That always blows my mind. God knows me. And he still loves me. He knows me and he loves me. You know, the devil used to keep record of all my shortcomings. And then one day I was like, it just dawned on me that God knew he knows everything. And he knew I was having to have all these shortcomings before, present, and future. But he still loved me. He still chose me. He still accepted me. Because he sees me that I'm in Christ. He loved me first. We know and believe his love for us. When we know and believe his love for us, we're able to love him more completely. I've found that out. When you experience and you know and believe his love, it makes it where you go to a different realm in your relationship where you're able to love him more completely. 
And you're able to love others sincerely. You know, many Christians feel like they fall short of the Father's love. And they're looking for the Father's approval. But you know, when Jesus came up out of the water, how many remember Jesus' baptism? How many remember Jesus' baptism? What happened when he came up out of the water? Heavens opened, and then what happened? A, a dove descended, and then what happened? A voice came from heaven, and what did the voice say? This is my what? This is my beloved. Everybody say beloved. This is my, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't even started his ministry. He hadn't even started doing anything. He hadn't started anything yet. He, he was just being baptized. And before he did anything or did, did anything or didn't do anything, heavens opened up and a voice came and said, this is my beloved son. Brothers and sisters, it's your water's baptism. It's your baptism's of water. Know that a heaven opens up and God's spirit comes and descends upon you like a dove, just like Jesus. God's spirit comes in your heart and heaven opens up and says, this is my beloved. Beloved, you are beloved of God. You are the beloved of God. You are the accepted of God. Knowing you're God's beloved son, listen, when you know that you're God's beloved son, there's power in knowing that you're beloved son. When Jesus knew that, after that, he went, he did life, he fought, he conquered, and he won, and he fulfilled everything that God called him to. But that was a big thing. But also knowing you are God's beloved son keeps you through the hour of temptation. When you know that you're God's beloved, it keeps you. How many are in a season of temptation? How many are in a season of temptation? How many are in a season of trial? When you know that God loves, that you're his beloved, it keeps you through the time of temptation. You know, what happened immediately after Jesus was baptized? What was the next thing to happen? Immediately he was led of the Spirit, where? To the wilderness to be what? Of the devil. How many days? Have you ever felt like a season of temptation goes week, day after day after day, week after week after week? Sometimes temptation, it seems like if I can just get through that moment or if I can just get through that, 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 that hour, if I can just get through that day. But imagine temptation coming day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. Clear. How many has gone through temptation for days? Know that deliverance is coming because you're his beloved. Notice when Satan, there is a refrain. There is a refrain that Satan used on all three temptations. There's three temptations, but there is a refrain that he did on all of them. He did this. He said, if you are the son of God. If there's any resemblance there, it's purely a coincidence. All right. (laughs) If you be. If you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, then change these stones into bread. Do you notice he left out something really important there? Jesus was just told, this is my beloved son. Satan left out one key word, beloved. 
And brothers and sisters, knowing that you are God's beloved is a key that will help you through the time of temptation. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Today, I want you to not boast. I don't want you to boast about your love for God. Listen, I don't want you to boast about how much you love God. Let me tell you how much I love God. Come and sit down. I see people don't do that. Don't boast about how much you love God. Boast in how God loves you. Did you guys ever notice that there's somebody in the Bible? The Bible calls John. How many know John in the Bible? He wrote Revelations and he wrote John, okay? And 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. The Bible calls John, listen, the Bible calls, calls John the disciple whom Jesus loved. How many has ever noticed that? He doesn't even say the disciple whom Jesus loved once. He says the disciple whom Jesus loved five times. Five times in the book of John, it says that the Bible calls John the disciple who Jesus loved. So I used to think that in all the 12 disciples that Jesus loved, John the most, because the Bible says Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then one day I noticed that this phrase is in John's gospel only. (laughs) I'm like, what's up with that, John? What's up with that? Hello, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's right, he he wrote it about himself. I think that's funny. But yet, listen, to me, it wasn't arrogant or proud or like, hello, I'm John, the disciple. It wasn't like that. What it was is John had a sense. John had a sense and he knew and he believed that God so loved him. So loved him. So loved him. Listen, there's something very powerful about that. There's something very powerful. And in John chapter, we'll look at one of them. I think it's John chapter 14. We'll, we'll get down there in a, in, a, in a minute on that. But John had that sense that Jesus loved him. Now listen, in this same place, the first time that it comes up in John uh, was the night of the Passover. And guys, at the night of the Passover, there were two kinds of Christians there. One kind of Christian, how many know what the Passover is? The Passover is where Jesus had his last supper with the disciples. Are you all with me? You all with me? Before he went to the cross, it was his last supper. How many know that story? Okay. Uh, There were two types of Christians in that room. One represented by Peter. Peter's name means stone. So in this example, just in this example, in this illustration, I want to take, for instance, that his name means the law. So Peter represents the type of people who boast of their love for the Lord. Lord, He represents people that think they're all that. Okay? They think they're all that. He said, Lord, if all these people here tonight betray you, I will never betray you. Peter said that that night. I'll go with you to the ends of the earth for you. And where you go, I will follow you. I will follow you. I will follow you. Lord, I pledge my allegiance to the Lord. And I will not ever let you down. Application is kind of like this. You love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Really? Be careful with that, O lawful person. Do you really love God with all your heart? With all your soul? With all your strength? I don't. I don't. 
And guys, we're, we're quick to say, oh, oh, wait a second. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment. It's still the law. There's lots of law, but one of the laws in Deuteronomy, love God with all your heart, soul, might, strength, and all that. But guys, we don't. I'm not going to sit here and say, I love God with all my spirit. I love God with every thought that runs through my head. I love God with every strength in my being and everything that I do, every energy that I do. I love God with that. I love God with every... No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. But that's what Peter represents. Guys, don't boast in what you can do for the Lord. Don't boast how long you can pray and how much scripture you read and, and, and how many years you've gone to church. Nah. John, leaning on Jesus' bosom, he's the image in the picture that's dependent on God's love for him. At the same time where Peter was saying how he wouldn't give up, John was reclined on Jesus' bosom. The Bible says one of them, in John 13, 23, one of the disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. Let's look at what happened at these two disciples. Before that night ended, the one who boasted of his love for the Lord was found denying the Lord three times. But the one who boasted in Jesus' love for him was spiritually employed at the foot of the cross. At the moment in time when, a, when the Lord needed his disciples the most, all 11 were gone. But the one that boasted, and I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. I know Jesus loved me. The Lord was there when he needed him the most. Out of all the disciples, he's the only one that was there. He was the a only one that was able to administer comfort to a dying Savior at a critical point of, of, of the Savior's death. At a critical point of the Savior's death, when he took a breath, John, take care of my mother. He was employed. He was there. People that boast in their love for the Lord aren't there. But people that boast in God's love for them are there at that time of employment. If you look at that, that's the first one. The next one is John 19, 26 and 27. Jesus saw his mother and his disciples standing there. He said to his mother, he is your son. Then the disciple, she is your mother. Uh, from that time, this disciple took him to her home. Again, that's the second area that it, said, that it talks about, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then John chapter 20, verse 2. John chapter 21, verse 7. John chapter 21, verse 20. I challenge you to go look at that and see what's around that phrase, the disciple Jesus loved. Amen. It'll be an incredible find for you. Did you know that God doesn't want us to boast in our love for him, but we need to boast in his love for us? How many believe that love, the love of God is an overpayment for our sins? How many is thankful for that? The love of God. When you know and believe that the, the love that God has you, that's when you'll never feel again awkward, ashamed, condemned, fearful, or just weird. Anybody ever weird out with God? Where, where, where I, I used to do it when I was in performance. That when you come to church, even to worship, you worship on the basis of how good you are that week. Because Jesus, but, but 
when you get an, a, a revelation of Jesus' love, then you get also get a revelation that he made an overpayment for our sins. In 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it says this. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Look at this. This is real love. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away all of our sins. When we understand what Jesus did, we understand that he owed us, that he paid for a huge debt that we owed. That would be kind of like me and, and Linda. That'd be kind of like me if Linda got word that I owed a huge debt. That she went into the banker and she said, hey, how much does Brian owe you? And they said, man, he owes us $20,000. You could even say he owes us $100,000. And Linda stands up and says, she says, here's a million. Here's a million. Keep the change. Here's a million. Just keep the change. Because God made an overpayment for our sins. He not only paid for our present sins, he paid for our past sins, he pays for our present sins, and he pays for our future sins. And when we see the love of God, it's an overpayment for our sin. Amen? He held nothing back. He held nothing back. You know that God loves you so much that he held nothing back? In fact, he spared not his only son for you. Look at this scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Look at this. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. You all are there because it's on the screen. (laughs) Come on, give me a healthy amen. 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 Look at this. Think of God's love. He who did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely? Look at that again. Freely. Let's do that again. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not with him also freely? Everybody say freely. Freely. How shall he gave up his son? He gave up his son. He didn't even spare his son. Shall he not with him also freely, freely, freely give us how many things? All. All things. All things. He said he would freely give us all things. If you're asking God for a financial breakthrough, if you're asking God for a healing, if you're asking God to put your marriage back together, whatever, if you're asking God to set you free from a disease or a sickness, if you're asking God to set you free from sin, the Bible says that he didn't spare his own son. He didn't even spare, how shall he not give us all things freely to the people that believed. So if we're asking for all those things, don't do this. Say, Lord, Lord, I'm asking for this. I'm asking for this. And, and I'm like, well, it might happen or it might not happen. Rebuke that thought right now and don't even let it come out of your mouth. It might happen. It might not happen. It ain't going to happen for you. Because truth without belief Truth without mixed with faith profits nothing. Don't think that God honors a pity party with mascara running down the, 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 the cheeks. 
Oh, God. I mean, he's there to comfort you. But he's like, give me just a seed of faith, by golly. Give me something here. I'm telling you, I didn't spare even my own son, my only begotten son I didn't spare. Will I not give you freely all things? All things. If he didn't give you what you're asking for, the breakthrough that you're asking for, that would be almost elevating it above the death of the cross. Because he didn't spare that back, then why would he keep back the things that he wants to give you? Amen. He didn't hold back. He didn't hold back and he wants to freely give you things. When you know and you believe God's love for you, there'll be an overflow coming out of you like never before. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Love comes where? Can you conjure it up? Love comes from where? So the more we're filled with God, the more what we have? Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Look at verse 11. Dear friends, same chapter, verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and love is brought into full expression in us. Everybody say, or through us. We're talking about mirrors today. We're talking about mirrors. We're talking about reflecting God. When we're filled with that that love of God. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one's ever seen God. No one's ever seen God. No one's seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and and His love is brought when, when, when we love his, each other, his love is brought into a full expression or a reflection, a reflection from us to people. You know, sometimes I get mad at people for what they're doing. Anybody else do that besides me? Anybody get mad at people for what they're doing? You know what? God's been saying this to me since I've been studying this love stuff. God's been saying this to me. Um, He's been saying, uh, I'm like, God, I want to be filled with your love. And when I get mad at people or get mad at situations, sometimes I just wake up that way. And I just am like, I got to put that to death and get filled with God. Amen. Quickly. Amen. The reason God will always, God will come up. I'm getting ready to tell you something that it's going to stay with you from now on. And you're going to be like, oh, I wish he hadn't said that. Are y'all ready? Listen to this one really good. The next time, the next time you're getting mad at people, God will say this. Hey, Brian, did you know I love that person? Did you know? Just saying. God! Ah! Ah! You're, ah! Brian... Yes, God. Did you know I love that person? 